Hi, this is Colonel Grant Newsham, the author of When China Act, a warning to America. And you're listening to the, the Dr. Sky Experience on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back to our radio program here. I'm Steve Gates, Dr. Sky, welcoming you and yours to the Dr. Sky Experience. Heard exclusively here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, as we like to say, the crown jewel of radio, the iconic Talk Radio 77 WABC, beaming out of New York City, around the nation, around the world, and I'm sure out into the cosmos. Many of you know by now our normal content is from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. And also, with great guests from previous shows that I've done called A Call to Rights, and very much in sync with the radio station 77 WABC as they talk about truth, justice, and the American way. A very exceptional guest today, in a few moments, will be introducing Colonel Grant Newsham. His brand new regnery book, entitled When China Attacks, A Warning to America, is so apropos today, as if you check the local news and national and world news, China is in the front of the headlines with the China and Taiwan situation. A little backstory on the book first. China is attacking, and Colonel Grant Newsham outlines what America must do to fight back. Communist China wants to replace the United States as the world's leading superpower, and the looming feeling of attack is on the mind of Americans everywhere. In When China Attacks, a warning to America, Colonel Grant Newsham uses his military and China expertise to provide a well-founded blow-by-blow account of what? China is capable of and what our nation must do to stop the CCP. Drawing from intelligent experiences from his 40-year career in the Marine Corps and State Department, Colonel Grant Newsham delivers a stark warning about America's impending war with China. A little brief background on our special guest, Colonel Grant Newsham, a retired U.S. Marine, served in the Indo-Pacific for decades, including in intelligence and liaison roles, and was instrumental in establishing Japan's amphibious force as a U.S. Foreign Service officer, he covered a number of regions, including East and South Asia, and specialized in insurgency, counterinsurgency, and commercial matters. Colonel Newsom is an expert on political warfare, commercial espionage, and Asian organized crime. An attorney, he lived in Tokyo for more than 20 years, working for an investment bank and the high-tech industry. A hearty welcome to, Lieutenant, to Colonel Grant Newsom. On the Dr. Sky Experience, Colonel, thank you for spending time with us. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Well, thank you, sir. This book is outstanding, and it goes to the top, of course, of our bookshelf to recommend to what's really going on behind the news. Talk a little bit about this book and the necessity. I think it's so appropriate. I mean, just look at the news around the world today as we're doing this interview toward the mid-portion of April 2023. It couldn't be more timely, right, sir? Oh, not at all. It's, I, I should send a thank you note to Beijing, uh, for example, for having sent that balloon over the United States. Uh, there must have been a lot of people who looked up at the Chinese spy balloon and wondered, well, what is going on? What's the deal with China? Uh, well, my book actually explains a lot of that. It talks about you know, a war which China has been waging against us for at least three decades. I talk about how they're fighting it, what damage has been done. Uh, what happens if we lose? And I also give some um, ideas of how to win. Uh, but China very much has been attacking us on a number of fronts, as I said, for decades. 
um, and they consider it war. Unfortunately, the United States does not consider what the Chinese are doing and have been doing uh, to be to be war. Uh, works to China's advantage. It has put us in a difficult position now. Well, Colonel, you say it so well, and in the 20 chapters that are in this book, once again, I recommend everybody within the sound of this particular particular radio show and podcast, the Dr. Sky Experience, that they quickly get a copy of this and learn so much more. As we're talking around here in the time frame of mid-April 2023, we see that may be a standoff between the United States military, the United States Navy, and the Communist Chinese forces over Taiwan. But if you could explain to this audience, you go into some great detail about describing various phases of warfare. You describe something called entropic warfare and kinetic warfare. Please explain that to our audience because we're getting an education today here on the Dr. Sky Experience. Well, sure, I'll be glad to. Um, you know, the one way to look at this is you know to consider how the Americans, how we tend to look at war, and we look at it as something like a hundred-yard dash where the competitors get to the start line and they stretch out and then they get in their crouch and then somebody shoots a gun and says go. And in the case of war, we look at it as only once the shooting has started. And before that, we don't look at it as war. But we, have, we require actual shooting to have begun. And then we take it seriously. But the Chinese don't see it that way. They look at it as a continuum, as a spectrum of activities and they've been doing things for decades, like economic warfare, you know, getting us to move so much of our manufacturing uh, industry and other uh, industries into China, handing over technology, uh, letting the rest of it be stolen, of course. Uh, and that has built up China's economy, built up to help them build up their military in the process as well. And it's weakened us. Uh, to China, that is very much a, a battlefield. Uh, biological warfare, you know, one can argue about exactly where COVID came from, uh, but I think there's little doubt that once it was out from China, uh, that they at least opportunistically seeded the rest of the world with it. And that uh, just brought the United States to a halt. And yes. that was an immensely successful uh, sort of act of war by the Chinese. Uh, another one, chemical warfare, the Chinese will refer to it as drug warfare. I'm talking about, say, that particularly the fentanyl scourge, which killed almost 70,000 Americans last year. Yes, yeah, so And sad. most of that comes from China. China claims it just can't do anything about it because it can't find who's doing it. Uh, and the Americans have taken, unfortunately, have taken them at their word instead of recognizing that this is an incredibly effective attack on the United States. You know, think of all the, the damage sure. that has done. Uh, so there's cyber warfare, uh, what I call proxy warfare, is buying off the elite uh, in your in your enemy. Uh, the Chinese have done that very well. Financial warfare, trying to um, displace the U.S. dollar or weaken the U.S. dollar, and not that Congress isn't helping them uh, with that without a control spending. Um, but those are some those battlefronts that we have been under attack uh, on for. For a long time now, but as I said, this doesn't appear to the Chinese uh, to be something we're responding to. To us, Absolutely. we don't think that the war has actually started. So the Chinese will actually look at the so-called kinetic warfare, and that's the modern word for what really means just a shooting war. Exactly. Uh, they look at that as almost the last, the last step. You know, after you've softened up your enemy, you've got him weakened, you've confused him. Uh, you've caused enough harm that he either cannot respond or cannot respond effectively. And that is a very different uh, way of looking at uh, warfare compared to ours. 
uh, and I use the expression, you've mentioned it, entropic warfare. And what sure. that really means is you get your enemy in such a state of confusion uh, that he is destroying himself, and he is not able to, to resist uh, your, dom- your domination. Right, and, and you don't even have to fire a shot. I mean, it's so amazing. It's like a cancer that spreads, and you say it so well here. I just want to remind our listeners, you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience here. Our producer is Richard Dugan on the great Talk Radio 77 WABC out of New York. We call it the crown jewel of radio. Our special guest is Colonel Grant Newsham. And this book, ladies and gentlemen, really knocks it out of the park as far as what's really happening with China. What we need to know, the book, When China Attacks, a Warning to America. Sadly, sir, Colonel, you describe something that's been going on for such a long time. You make the analogy of uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and what it was once and what it is now. Tell the listeners a little bit more about how this is all connected to the master plan that the Chinese Communist Party is now evolving in front of our eyes. Yes, I use Baltimore as an example, but it could have been a number of other American cities that once were thriving societies and thriving neighborhoods. Um, and now their war zones, at best, actually, gives, war zone would actually be better in some respects. Um, but what this is the result is it's, there's a few things at work. Uh, one is, I would say, very successful Chinese economic warfare. Uh, that was convincing America's financial class, its business class, and too many of the political class that China had to be allowed into the World Trade Organization, despite meeting none of the requirements. Right. Uh, there was a promise of sorts that they would eventually, but after 20-plus years, they haven't uh, met them at all. And But that really allowed, it gave the excuse uh, for so much of American industry to, to move into China and just gutted American societies. And when you take the jobs away, these decent, you know, well-paying jobs that generations had you know, managed to live on and uh, right. done very nicely, take that away, and then you've opened it up for chemical warfare, the drug war, uh, absolutely susceptible uh, to, it, it just happens to be fentanyl now, it'll probably turn into something else uh, before too long. Uh, you have actually also, you have created um, a, a dependency, a constituency in the United States uh, that thinks that it absolutely has to uh, be doing business with China. It cannot do anything to upset that relationship. And that is effective psychological warfare. So you can see how these tie in with each, yes. with each other. And you see the effect that it has had on our military, where so many people are either unable to join uh, because they you know, don't meet the, the standards, they've got the drug history, or uh, when 70,000 people, many of them young people, are dying every year from fentanyl, well, that's taking a couple divisions off the battlefield. So you can, as I said, you can see how these different types of warfare all tie into each other, and they can be mutually reinforcing. And you make Uh, a good point, sir, in your book, and I want to not to steal from the chapter, but of course people should get a copy of it and read it from cover to cover, all 400 pages. But you describe this, and I believe it's very accurate, only 23% of those that would necessarily be inducted into the military can actually pass not only the litmus test from criminal backgrounds, but drug abuse and mental issues. That's a very sad state of affairs today. When we once had a draft in this country, nobody wants war. But am I at least accurate in uh, quoting what you say in the book about that? Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's probably even worse than, worse than I stated. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just amazing that a country of 330 million people cannot meet the, sort of the, the recruitment target. 
Uh, and you know, there's an aspect of that that it goes beyond just the, the physical part, uh, um, but also there's a sense of the, that the America is not a country worth defending, uh, that America is not a good country, That's and sad. that is a form of ec- education warfare. If you can get into the schools uh, and get that point across and from a young age, that that has an effect on recruitment as well. Uh, Colonel, there's so much to talk about in the short time that we have here, but I'd like you to define the meaning of the Chinese word Tian Sha, as you put in the book, as we know the translation means all under heaven. But is that accurate in my statement of saying, if I put it this way, that that's their global domination concept, that what, all of China is all under heaven, and that's the whole policy that they believe theirs is theirs, and they should go out and grab it, correct? It very much is. You know, one way to look at it is, um, you know, think of how we used to always assume that you know, America's number one, that our system is the, you know, the best one, and it's what uh, most of the world, the world should be uh, run under. Uh, that it's just a given. It's something you internalize. And for the communist Chinese, it's, it's similar. Uh, and but they've also used it, um, I'd say, for less um, altruistic purposes. Uh, the idea is domination. Uh, complete domination, uh, not not any sort of a mutually beneficial sort of coexistence, but the idea is to dominate every other country, uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean physically occupy them or defeat them at war, but to dominate, and that is what they've set out to do. And it's and I must say that they've had some success at it. Uh, if you uh, look at Latin America, Africa. Uh, for example, the commercial inroads they have made with political influence, often greased with bribes and under-the-table under payments, uh, doesn't get the attention it should. Uh, but they are well on their way to establishing a, a global presence and ultimately surrounding us. When you actually look at uh, where the Chinese have made their inroads, uh, it does indeed look like they have global domination in mind. They have, a, in effect, said as much. All you have to do is read what Xi Jinping uh, has said, and even his predecessors. Um, they weren't exactly nice guys either. Uh, but just look at what uh, Xi Jinping is on record as having said. And the idea of Chinese global domination, uh, it may have seemed preposterous 20 years ago, uh, but it really should be taken very seriously. The Chinese telegraph their punches, and we should know what's coming. Well, Colonel, this is fascinating here on the Dr. Sky Experience today. So many questions to ask in so limited time, at least in this interview. And I always recommend, if it's okay by our guest, to come back at a future time, too, to talk more in the details of what's happening in the world, and particularly with the China, the Communist Chinese Party, and what their goal for world domination is. Sir, in the word Tian Sha, as we talked about and translated, I believe, to all under heaven, is it possible, because they are one of the most populated nations on the earth, that the German concept of something called Liebenschraum, which means living space, also kind of counters into this or plays a part of this. Simply what? They have so many people in such a small area. Wouldn't it make sense that they want this not only for the economic, the military uh, side of the equation, the power that they could possess, but they want more places for their people to live? Is that a simple way of looking at that concept of Liebenschraum for them? Uh, Yes. Uh, I would note Australia. Um, It's been... um Said, and there's been cases where Chinese officials have noted that, well, there's a lot of space in Australia, and there's not many people. It would go very nicely for, for China. There is very much an aspect of that. There is a surplus population for now uh, that they like to keep busy uh, for obvious reasons. And 
well, with that word Lebensraum as a very negative connotation because of mm-hmm. uh, it being coined by Adolf Hitler. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, it does still apply here. That's a very interesting story. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. You know, there was a secret speech, I guess, not so secret now, and I hope I pronounce it right, by a General Chi Hochian back in 2005, and I encourage people, I'm sure, sir, you're a wealth of knowledge on this particular speech, which basically goes into the story. I guess they didn't want it to pop out, but the Epoch Times, I think, got a copy of this. It talks about how they want to do this plan for world global domination and how they would treat those that are not necessarily on their side, just like what Mao did to so many of the people. Are you very familiar with that speech? And if you would comment on it, it simply describes a plan for more details on global domination by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, it makes your blood run cold when you read these things, um, mm-hmm. not least because they're still doing, you know, the plans are still there. Uh, it really can't be just um, excused as just one extremist talking. And that, that system, uh, extremists don't last very long if they don't have government approval. Uh, it's known that there is a list being made of, for example, Taiwanese who are considered not uh, friendly enough to China or have supposedly advocated independence. And it's a kill list uh, for when the time comes. And it's not as if Taiwan is the only place such a thing uh, exists. The Chinese sure. do keep the communists do keep a uh, very good track of who their friends are and who their friends are not. Uh, but it, these sorts of statements that get leaked out uh, every once in a while, but and even ones that get written in China, they get uh, published, but they're in Chinese. So Americans tend not to, and foreigners tend not to notice them. Uh, that these sorts of uh, things give us a very clear sense of what is coming uh, if we, we do come under Chinese domination. Uh, and that's um, really something we have not experienced for an awfully uh, long time. I think there's few people alive today who can uh, quite conceive of the, the threat that the Chinese Communist Party poses to us. Colonel, I guess I'm uh, being simplistic when I ask this question. I mean, I would have an answer, and I'm not a military person. I served in the United States Army but not at the level that you did, sir, and I you know, salute you for your service and all others. My basic concern is this. When you look at China and you look at what their military was and you now see, and I'm going to ask you in a little more into depth of this interview, to talk about their current strength. Let's talk a little bit about that military and let's talk a little bit about why in this country, I guess the most simplistic question you've probably gotten from all these different interviews, many of which I'm sure are very, very positive on this subject, why in the hell, and I say it so simply, is this government not paying attention to this? It's almost like dereliction of duty, or if I even go to an extreme term, treason. What the heck is going on here that's, uh, to me, even I think a seven-year-old would think that this is insane, not to stop it or do something about it? Uh, well, it is. Uh, it even, it's even worse that we have effectively funded the growth of the Chinese military. Uh, the Chinese currency is not freely convertible, which means right. that nobody outside uh, China much wants it. 
So if the Chinese want to buy, say, Australian iron ore to make steel, to build Navy ships, they have to pay for it in something like dollars. Wall Street and the business class have made sure that they have had all the money they need uh, to pay for this. Uh, so that is one aspect of this uh, insanity that has gotten us into this fix. Um, I think the, you find that successive administrations, and until the Trump administration, all thought that China could be made nicer with just a little more accommodation uh, and, and ignoring their, uh, their, aggressive, their aggressive behavior. I mean, how naive, obviously, right. It's just it, crazy. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it does track down to come back to money. Uh, that when you can get the, the influential, say, financial business classes, the, the donor classes that have political influence, get them to think that they are making a ton of money in China or will one day, that you have effectively handcuffed your, your main enemy. And that's what the Chinese refer to us as, is the main enemy. And the military, the U.S. military, was not immune to this at all. Uh, too many of the senior leaders saw that uh, the way to get ahead was to uh, mirror that thinking uh, that they saw in the business class, they saw it in administrations, they saw it in the White House, and just insist that China was not a threat. Uh, in around 2009, for example, uh, the then head of uh, commander of Pacific Command of all U.S. forces in the Pacific, he was visiting China and he was asked about the possibility of Chinese aircraft carriers. And he said he saw nothing wrong with that and would be glad to help China uh, develop them to as much as he could. And that was the thinking. So oh, really, until horrible. about 2017, even the U.S. military, you, in it, you could not say that China was even an adversary or you would be in trouble. So we're, uh, the entire nation went, or the parts of it that have uh, too much influence, kind of went insane. And really, we've built up this enemy that would cause us no end of trouble if they choose their spots in the, the time of attack right. Amazing. Colonel, about a decade ago, or maybe even a generation ago, which I think we talk about 25 years, the Chinese Communist Party and the military, their military, did not have, from reading in your book, I wanted you to corroborate and expand, the ability to project their power beyond, let's say, their own nation state. And obviously, the Taiwan situation only 90 miles away there's obviously a whole change of uh, foot here with China today. So describe them then, and what is their capability right now, as we want to talk a little bit more before I get to the ultimate stuff about what could happen here, very sadly, as the Communist Chinese military and the Communist Chinese Party tries to take back Taiwan. Describe that. Well, I think they, they really have the, the ability to throw their weight around um, big time, uh, to use the technical word, uh, close to China. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they get uh, too far beyond uh, China's uh, sort of near maritime boundaries or get too far away from China, that ability drops off uh, pretty quickly. So China would have a very hard time defending, say, its sea lanes of communication, or the transport. And it does depend on uh, food imports, energy imports, to take care of its needs. It doesn't produce anywhere near what it needs. So it is vulnerable if a fight is, if you expand the battlefield. But if it's a fight close to China, and certainly Taiwan is pretty close to China, that they could cause us a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, one example, when U.S. ships go into the, uh, the South China Sea, that, yes, they can go in there, but China also shadows, the Chinese Navy shadows them, and could probably put in at least 10 ships for every one uh, the U.S. Navy can send into the South China Sea, plus you have land-based uh, missile batteries, etc., 
that would make it a, a very long uh, afternoon for the U.S. Navy's uh, sort of presence in the South China Sea. But as I said, you expand the battlefield and they don't have that capability yet uh, for global operation. But sure. that's coming. They intend to do it. And I would suggest that within five years, they could have something pretty interesting going. Ten years, uh, they, if on the current trends, that the Chinese military will be operating globally. Uh, they're, in fact, setting up the infrastructure to do that uh, under commercial guise uh, with the ports and airfields that they've been funding uh, in Latin America, Africa, etc., the Caribbean. Uh, they have... Um, they even have uh, Chinese companies on both ends of the Panama Canal. And these are dual-use facilities, and when the time comes, we will see the People's Liberation Army operating uh, from these. Uh, their military is building up at such a rate that they will have the, the hardware uh, and the manpower uh, to be able to, as I say, operate globally. It used to be just us that could do that. Uh, within a decade, I think it will be the Chinese giving us a real run for our money globally, Regionally, that will probably happen within five years. No, you say it so well in your book, and I don't want to conclude this interview just quite yet. And I quote your words, we don't have much time left, end quote. And it's really serious. I mean, people listening to this interview here as we conduct the Dr. Sky experience on the great talk radio 77 WABC, the crown jewel of radio. And we talk about truth, justice, and the American way also, like they do on many of their shows taking a break from our normal science topics of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. But, Colonel, this is interesting because right now, as we're doing this in April of 2023, hopefully cooler heads prevail, but give us a little analysis of how close the hair trigger might get to be pulled in what's really going on right now. I mean, obviously, we're probably not getting all the correct information, but I understand one of our battle groups, uh, maybe the United States, the USS uh, Nimitz is in there, one of our great aircraft carriers. Uh, describe uh, what's really going on right now as we're talking in April. Well, what we're seeing is the, the Chinese military, the People's Liberation Army, going through a systematic buildup of capabilities to be able to uh, attack Taiwan and think that they could succeed. Uh, we've got a first glimpse of this in August 2022 with a uh, the missile exercises that bracketed Taiwan, uh, landed in Japanese territory too. And now what we're seeing is more air and naval coordination practicing. Uh, and I think the next thing we're going to see in the fall will be a, a landing exercise. And think of it as a baseball team at spring training, where yes. the outfielders do their thing, the infielders do theirs, the pitchers and the catchers uh, work out. And then at some point, it all comes together. And we're just about at the point where it all comes together for the PLA. And I would suggest that by the end of this year, uh, that Xi Jinping will think that uh, his military is ready to go. And But what they're going to look at, I think, is the presidential election that's coming up in Taiwan in, er, in January 2024. If a pro-PRC candidate wins, I think China might back off and expect that guy to bring uh, Taiwan uh, into uh, China's embrace um, uh, without fighting. Uh, but if a candidate from the other party that wants nothing to do with Chinese enslavement wins, I think the gloves come off, and I think uh, at any point after that, that a uh, shooting war is, is likely. A lot will depend on Chinese calculation of American military capability uh, to respond quickly and effectively 
uh, and not take, a, say, weeks or months to build up and respond, but it has to be quickly. They'll, t- they'll assess that. But they also will look at the state of affairs in the United States and also they will take the measure of whoever is in the White House. And because the U.S. really is the, the one uh, power that can uh, defend Taiwan, can obstruct uh, Chinese plans for regional and then global domination. So the, China will have, I think, the military capability um, in just a few months uh, to think that they have a very good chance of taking Taiwan. Uh, and then they're going to do the political calculations at the same time and sort of before um, making a, a go decision. So well, that's how close we are. So I would that's say very that, scary. Uh, I mean, what yeah. you're predicting here, and let's hope it's not the case, but the actual truth is that's why we get great guests like yourself. But can you define what is, from your knowledge base, and it's pretty extensive from what we're hearing, what is the official policy of the United States to defend Taiwan at this point? We keep hearing President Biden say things and gets kind of uh, rebuffed by his you know, press team there that uh, he's saying, yes, we will come to the aid of Taiwan. Is there an official doctrine that we know or you know about that we can make these listeners of this show feel a little more uh, confident that we would defend uh, a freedom and democracy-loving uh, country? Well, I'm pretty sure that the U.S. military has plans in place. In fact, I would bet a lot of money that they do to, to do their best uh, to defend Taiwan, if given the order. But it does come down to the administration. And this last administration with Mr. Trump, there were people in it, like Mike Pompeo, Matt Pottinger, Dave Stilwell, Miles Yu, Pete Navarro. The Chinese absolutely hated them, and they were oh, yeah. afraid of them. Uh, but this one, and I don't say this with any pleasure at all, because everyone wants us to succeed. Uh, but I don't know who it is in this administration that scares them. Uh, the, sometimes, you know, they, some good things are said about taking on the Chinese or the Chinese communists. Uh, and also, there's been some good moves to, say, restrict uh, semiconductor exports and some technology exports sure. uh, to the PRC. Uh, but then again, at the same time, we will allow Chinese companies to list on U.S. exchanges and earn and raise the capital they need to build up the military. Uh, so it's almost a schizophrenic uh, approach towards the PRC. And the, the short answer is, if we have doubts about what the Americans would do, well, one imagines Beijing does as well. And it do- doesn't require us to change our policy of strategic ambiguity, which is that uh, unofficial uh, U.S. policy for decades uh, that says, well, we might defend Taiwan or we might not. So, if, in effect, do you feel lucky, China? Well, when the PRC was was uh, didn't have a military that was all that good, uh, you could get away with that. But these days, you have got to make it very clear that uh, if Xi Jinping does make a move, he is going to lose everything. Wow. And I'm not sure that we have um, put that fear in the Chinese, so I think they might look at it. And when they consider the state of affairs in the U.S., that they just might think it's worth a try. Thank you. We're going to hear a little excerpt from what uh, retired General Jack Keane has said on Fox News. And we play that in concordance with what you're talking about, about a warning that should be very much paid attention to here, because as you describe it, 
We don't have much time left. Let's bring in retired four-star General Jack Keane, former Army Vice Chair of Staff, Chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, and a Fox News Senior Strategic Analyst General. It's always great to have you on. Uh, we hear a lot of talk about uh, General Mike Minahan saying the U.S. will be at war with China by 2025. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says no. In your case, General, you don't think it's as much about timing as, as how important it is having an effective military deterrent which right now we don't have. Fair? Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct, Trace. I mean, first of all, um, this general was talking in very blunt, direct language to his subordinates. And what we do in peacetime in all the services is prepare for war. And hopefully, by doing so, we're deterring war. And that's what he was doing. He, he was making certain his troops understood that war could be around the corner. We have all said the very same thing to our troops at different levels of command uh, during our tenure. But what I think is really going on here, he just came out of the Pacific region. He's very conversant with what mm -hmm. is taking place there and the fact that we have lost our military deterrence, it has eroded because of the 9-11 wars and, and budgets that don't meet mm -hmm. the requirements. And he sees that and knows that China does have a military advantage right now. More ships, more planes, and certainly more missiles. And he doesn't certainly want them to take advantage of that, but it's possible they could. It's not knowable what's going on in President Xi's mind, whether it's a year, two years, or five years from now. But what is knowable is that our military deterrence is not what it should be. And I believe that is where the general's coming from because he knows that we're vulnerable and we have got to fix it. So what's the remedy? I mean, that's the whole thing, General. What's the remedy to get stronger in the Pacific region, if that's the necessity here? And how long will it take? Is it a money issue? Is it, is it something else? It's partially money, and but it's also a commitment. One, we have to upgun Taiwan. We've got a $19 billion backlog of equipment going to Taiwan that they have paid for. And the backlog is years. The Congress has got to get into this and roll their sleeves up and fix the foreign military sales system with a sense of urgency. And certainly we have to do training with Taiwan in a way that Jennifer just mentioned we're doing with South Korea. We don't do much of any of that with Taiwan. We self-deter ourselves because we don't want to provoke mm -hmm. the Chinese. And yeah. second thing, we've got to move our forces, more forces into the region. Yes, more planes, yes, more ships, and more missiles. We've got to deploy them and make certain that China understands that there is an effective deterrent. And the only way that's going to happen is their generals will look at it and say, well, the cost is too great for us to, to start a war over Taiwan here with the United States because we don't know what the outcome will be. That is the yeah. kind of answer we want. I just quickly, 15 seconds, Jerry, I want to put this on the screen. This is from the Chinese Foreign Ministry concerning uh, Kevin McCarthy's upcoming trip. He says China opposes any form of official interaction between its Taiwan region and countries having diplomatic ties with China. We hope U.S. lawmakers will abide by the one China principle. What do you think of that very quickly? I mean, they said kind of the same thing when Nancy Pelosi went. We should visit Taiwan and, and, and support them, moral support, political support that a political leader would provide. But look at 
The Secretary of Defense should go. He doesn't. The Secretary of State should go on his own trip. He doesn't. The Chairman doesn't go. The Indo-Pacific Commander doesn't go. We self-deter ourselves from this mm. because we don't want to provoke China. We've got to stop cuddling this issue and make certain we're providing the support to Taiwan that they need. Yeah. General, great to see you. Thank you, sir. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. And I thought that was quite interesting, but uh, this is kind of amazing, Colonel, as we wrap up our interview today. Sadly, I'd love to ask you straight up if we could do this in another format some other time in the future as time and things unfold, if that's okay with you. And always looking forward to having great guests like yourself. But it's interesting what we find out from President Xi, as you write in your book, that he made this statement to the 20th Party Congress in October of just this past 2022, and he said, and I quote, there is no commitment to renounce the use of force, and the option to take all necessary measures is retained. The complete reunification of the motherland must be realized and can certainly be realized, end quote. A very powerful statement there. And that concerns so many people. But unfortunately, Colonel, I don't think enough right now as we're, you know, totally involved in our sports and certain other problems that we have here in the nation. Thank God for our freedom and democracy. But again, I think people should pay attention to this particular subject, obviously. And it's an honor to have you here. So I was wondering if that's okay, if in the future we might be able to do this as time unfolds here and the story between China and uh, Taiwan evolve. What say you, sir? Oh, of course. Any time at all. I'm always glad to glad to weigh in. Uh, it's oh. certainly gotten to be pretty interesting. Uh, oh, I certainly I, appreciate you know, your time. I think it's going to get even more interesting as the months play out here. And we uh, end off with a quote from your book from Captain Jim Fennell, United States Navy retired, and he said, and I quote, either we embrace our survival instinct, we will end up being told how to live by the same bastards who are locking down tens of millions in China. End of quote, or end quote, as they say more professionally. Thank you for your time today on the Dr. Sky Experience. A very special guest, Colonel Grant Newsham, a book that everybody should get if they value freedom and democracy. And remember, we're not necessarily just a democracy, folks. The technical term is we're a constitutional republic, but this is not a civics class right now. That's something that we need to spread the world to the world about our freedom and liberty. The book, When China Attacks. A warning to America. You've been listening to the Dr. Sky Experience, and we're thankful for you as an audience on Talk Radio 77, WABC, the crown jewel of radio, and even more important, the iconic Talk Radio 77, WABC, broadcasting proudly around from New York City, around the nation, around the world, at WABCradio.com, where the Dr. Sky Experience and Dr. Sky blog exists. Thank you, Colonel Grant Newsom. Please stay on the line as we go to our heartbreak.